Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Are you a working mom in the Seattle area? Are you feeling overwhelmed and overloaded? As working moms, we want it all. Career, home, family, friends, health, a nap. But actually having it all is a lot of work. More than any one person can handle on their own. That's why we're so excited about this brand new service founded by a working mom with four kids that's going to help moms conquer their never-ending to-do list so they can regain some joy and balance in their lives. How can it help? There are quite a few ways this service can help moms. First, it can help own and manage your schedule so your schedule doesn't own you. It can help with those pesky home maintenance to-dos that you keep putting off, stuff like researching local pros, compiling quotes, and comparing products. It can also help with keeping up with kids' needs as they grow, stuff like making sure they have clothes that fit, toys they love, and books they can't put down. It can help you put the focus on yourself, at least some of the time, finally making those self-care to-dos a priority and find a little more balance balance in the busyness. Even help with planning the fun stuff so it becomes less of a chore and more fun. Stuff like birthday parties, date nights, and weekend activities for the family. And they need Seattle moms like you to participate in their private beta for free to help inform the development. Are you interested? Go to yolabs.com slash beta. That's Y-O-L-A-B-S dot com slash beta, B-E-T-A. The service is normally $100 a month, but you can be among the first to try it out totally free. Only 25 spaces are left in the Seattle area, so hurry and sign up today. Hey, listeners, future-focused parents. We wanted to use this time while we're on a break between seasons to share with you a replay of an episode that we got some great feedback about, and that is resilience. What's so great about this is you're going to notice we take a pretty different spin on it than you might think. And we're really looking forward to sharing it with you, maybe as a refresher for those of you who've already heard it, or for those of you who might be new to the podcast, as a great example of some of the ways Kira and I talk about popular hot button issues and those buzzwords that come around so often, which resilience definitely is. And we will be back with you in two weeks on July 19th with our season opener for season five. We look forward to being with you then. All right, Dina Thayer, should we talk about resilience? We should. We're going to talk about resilience today. And I think there's this underlying just assumption that it's a thing. Kids are resilient. Oh. They're adaptable. It hurts me. They're fine. Oh, Kira's in pain already. I'm already upset. (laughs) And Kira is going to just decimate that idea. (laughs) We are going to do some major myth busting. But beyond that... We are going to talk about what should we be looking for instead? How do we get away from that assumption to actual practical coping skills for our children? So I am interested, though, where your why for this issue came about. What, When did you get upset in the first place or how this came to be? Because you are definitely spicy on this one. I, yeah, I'm super spicy. This is like my soapbox, I feel like. I, I feel like I talk about this everywhere I go. And I've mentioned before how much I adore our kids school there's just such a social emotional presence there and this year their main goal is resiliency and I nearly lost my mind because (laughs) I was like oh I'm so sick of 
I'm so sick of hearing kids are resilient. Kids are resilient. Like I, I hear it. And and here's the other thing. I, I am a, I'm in a unique slice of mental health being a hypnotherapist. And I hear other therapists all the time, not hypnotherapists. Most hypnotherapists will not say this, but I hear other, you know, LMFTs and LMHCs saying like, oh, kids are resilient. Kids are so resilient. And it literally like climbs up my spine because here's the thing. From my experience, having worked with children who pull their hair, bite their nails, um, pick at their skin, um, kids who um, have high anxiety, kids who, um, you know, older kids who are smokers or dealing with all kinds of just unhealthy coping mechanisms, they are a direct result of a situation where the child appeared resilient but wasn't. So talk about that. There's obviously then a disconnect for us, and sometimes parents miss those cues totally. between what looks like resilience and what actually is. Talk about that. Yeah, I think part of it stems from this um, assumption. Kids are resilient. They'll be fine. Please don't assume that. Please don't assume your kids are going to be fine. Let's assume that our kids need our support to get through things and we're working towards them being fine, but not when they're small. They don't know how to be fine. We have to help teach them how to be fine. So this idea that like, you know, I've talked about this on the show before, like a kid falls off a big toy. You're okay. And what do you know? The kid like pops up and starts running back. Okay. That is behaving resiliently or appearing resilient. But what we don't know is, is that child really deeply affected, didn't get a chance to process that with a parent. And now they're 14 and they have a fear of heights. Interesting. Were they resilient or did they look resilient? And so from a parent's perspective, I think this isn't about like suddenly freaking out that your kid isn't going to bounce back from things. I think it's about really leaning into this idea that when a kid has a big feeling or a big experience, that we're not minimizing that. And we're actually not trying to get them to bounce back. Because I think that's the mistake a lot of parents make. And I make this too. We want to fix it. We love them. We want them to feel better. We want to see a happy face. But sometimes we can't do that. And I think that real resiliency, like when I think about what what it really means to be resilient as a human, not just a kid, but as a person, it's actually about owning my feelings, processing my feelings, and moving through them, not jumping over them. And I think that's the key. Yeah, you've hit on a really important thing, which is, and we talk all the time about parenting with the end goal in mind. And here is one of those times, doesn't happen often, but where we're actually challenging what the goal should be. Is the goal, is it even a worthy goal to bounce back? Maybe not. Yes. Maybe the goal is how do we help them work through it in a healthy way? Yes. Face it, come out the other side stronger for it because they actually coped, didn't just stuff it down and move on. So it's such a challenging question, I think, to parents because, of course, I think to an outsider, the view of that kid who pops back up, we have come to have a connotation associated with that, that that's what you want. Yeah. Yes. I literally have music playing <laughs> in my head. As I stand on my soapbox, but you've nailed it. And so here's the difference because you asked a question. I want to make sure I answer it. Something happens at school and the kid seems to bounce back. So resilient. And this was my issue with the school. I'm like, is the school then checking with the parents to see what happened when that kid got home? Right. What because happened later that evening? Because they fell to pieces and had a full-blown meltdown. They were not resilient. They appeared 
resilient because kids are, whether we are intending to do this or not, this is not a malicious thing. But society encourages kids to hold their ish together all day long. They're at school holding their ish, holding their ish. And school is no different. I see it in 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 our school, in all of the sort of public school settings that I've been in. You know, you need to sit still. You need to sit up straight. You need to show good listening. There's all these expectations, and kids are working all day long to meet expectations. So if one of the expectations is that you're resilient, guess what? They're going to sure look resilient because that's one of the expectations. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they're actually resilient. So when they get home and they fall to pieces and the parents are like, what, what, the, what happened? happened? Like, I don't understand. Why are you falling apart? If there's not good communications from the school, not only do we not know to be looking out for what's going on and process that with our kids, but the school is going to think they saw resiliency and, hey, look, it's working. But if we're not communicating with the family, we don't actually know if the kid got what they needed. Does that make sense? This is my issue with this topic. It's like, I'm all for resiliency. I want resilient adults. I wish and work to be a resilient adult. But what I don't want is that in that bouncing back that we're jumping over the processing and the feelings. And skipping a bunch of steps. Yes. So would you say, I'm curious, would you say that part of this issue, I would, I'm sure not in entirety, but a slice of it or an aspect of it is the time within which we expect this, quote, bounce back and that it often is not going to happen right away, or it'll look like it did, but something falls apart later, or that it's not even maybe desirable to have it happen right away because there's this process and the needed steps to go through to see actual resilience long term. So there's kind of this idea that resilience means a bounce back within quick proximity to the event, mm -hmm. which may actually not be best. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly right. I'll give you a great example. I had a family I worked with years ago beautiful, beautiful nine-year-old child hair puller. And they came in and they were, I may have even shared this on an episode before, but they came in completely convinced that the reason this child was pulling their hair was because they were on an elite soccer team and in the high cap or gifted program at school. So and they, they were thought it was stress, stress, overwhelm, which is, I mean, my goodness, if you're not a <laughs> hypnotherapist, yes, of course, right. that makes perfect sense. So we do our session, and part of what I'm looking for in a session with a child is to figure out what was the triggering incident where this hair pulling, this coping mechanism started. In fact, it's a question that – I mean, I won't get into hypnosis too much, but it's, a, it's literally a question that I ask. What happened that made you need to create this skill? And what came out was that this kiddo had been in a very, very, very small fender bender, and everybody was fine, and so the parents – didn't talk about it because they were like, everyone's fine. Kids are resilient, mm -hmm. right? Everyone's fine. And this child wasn't fine. And of course, they're not expressing it because oftentimes kids don't actually have the words or they don't understand why they're feeling funny or why they suddenly need a coping skill to feel better. And the parents didn't think to say anything because they're not therapists or hypnotherapists or whatever. They didn't see it as a trauma. But it's a great example of, like, for me, if we were in a mild fender bender, the very first thing I would be doing is saying, how are you? How's your body? That was really scary. Were you scared? Mm -hmm. Right? To not be afraid to lean into that was scary, that that normalizing, validating piece. We're so scared. I, I, we were just, I was just at a thing last night talking about teen suicide prevention. And one of the questions that was asked is, um, I, you know, basically, I'm worried about talking to my kid about suicide because I don't want to give them any ideas. And what came out was like, you're not going to give them any ideas. All you're going to do is create a space for them to talk about their feelings. 
Dina's giving a thumbs up. Yeah. This, ding, is ding, the, ding. this is the same thing. If a child has a scary experience and you acknowledge that it's scary, you're not going to make them more scared or no. give them ideas that they didn't have. All you're going to do is make them feel like, oh, my gosh, my parent gets me. And you've just given them the freedom to then come talk to you. I'm still feeling a little rattled yes. about that. You've given them freedom. It's a gift. Exactly. So it's a great example of it would be so easy to be like, oh, we were in a mild fender bender, but, you know, kids are resilient. Instead of going, I want my kid to be resilient. So I need to show up and say, hey, that was scary. Let's talk about that. You know, how are you feeling? And then to check in a week later. How are you feeling? You can't let some of these big things go under the guise of kids are resilient. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, I do have a follow-up question, though. And I'm guessing that it's going to be one of these wonderful times where it's like, it depends. Okay, Okay, so I'm I'm saying that up front. I get the disclaimer. It probably depends on age, maturity level. But how do you know when it is okay to stop checking in? Or what if your own child is like, enough with the car accident? How do you know what is worth leaning into and what is like, you know, I can probably start stepping away from this? I think you're looking for... And this is where it is appropriate. You're looking for signs of resiliency. So car accident, let's just run with this example because it's a great one. Because I love examples where it's like it would be so easy as a parent to to skip over something like that. Because, again, we're human and and we're just starting to realize the impact of these things. So there's a car accident. I check in. How are you doing? Any questions? Blah, blah, blah. At bedtime, I'm probably going to check in again. How are you doing with this morning? How's your body? Anything hurt? How's your heart? How's your mind? Right? Checking in. And then I'm probably going to keep my eye on my kiddo for a good few days. Are they having major meltdowns all of a sudden? Do they suddenly not want to go to school anymore? Are they suddenly really tired or irritable? Those are signs to me that something's not right. And so I'm going to check in again. Hey, I'm noticing that you, you know, are really kind of grumpy. And I'm wondering if you want to talk more about that car accident. Because I know I was feeling kind of grumpy after that, right? Mm -hmm. Using that normalizing that you're not the only one who was in that event and was affected by it. Um, But if you've had those two check-ins on the day, And then a week goes by and you're, you know, seeing that everything seems totally fine. Everything's probably totally fine. But if suddenly they're biting their nails or suddenly they're pulling their hair, right, we've got to start to correlate these things. What that is, and I should have said this earlier, what that is is your child creating a coping mechanism. And that's great. I'm actually a huge fan of coping mechanisms. I love them. But what we want to do is make sure that the coping mechanism they're using is going to serve them for the rest of their lives. And the problem with some of these habits is that nail biting serves them for a few months and then they start to feel yucky and Mm -hmm. embarrassed and all this negative stuff. And part of my job is to help them find the healthy coping mechanism. But as parents, what we can do is give the coping mechanism. So if they're like, oh, no, mom, that was really scary. That car accident was really scary. Be like, you know what, sweetheart? I know. I was scared too. You know what I do when I'm feeling those scary feelings? I start by acknowledging I'm feeling really scared. Like it's okay to just sit in that for a minute and own that for a little bit and not try and get out of it really quickly. Let yourself just go, whew, that was really scary. And then I do this breathing technique, right? Or any of the things that I mentioned mm-hmm. on the emotional intelligence episode, I'm not going to bore everyone, but we can put a link to that in the um, little blurb, a link to that episode. But you're going to give them the coping skill so that instead of reaching for hair pulling or nail biting or one of these other things, they're reaching for the skill you gave them. And they go, mm-hmm. oh, that works. And then guess what? This child turns into an adult who knows how to use breathing or meditation or you know knows how to self-soothe 
through those cope through those situations that require a coping skill, they already have one. And guess what? That's what makes a resilient adult. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a perfect segue because you've talked about, you know, some of these places where we can fall down, maybe some pitfalls with these assumptions and kind of done some myth busting about are these even the right goals? And so you started to, but can you talk about other things we should be doing? And what are the what are the ways we can hand our children the tools they need so that they can be truly resilient, not just appear resilient? Yeah, I think it's a combo of a bunch of things I've already said and, and touched on. So first and foremost, we have to acknowledge that the feelings are normal. Please, please, parents, if you take nothing else from this, we have to stop telling our kids, don't be scared. We have to stop telling them you're okay. We have to stop trying to get them to be not what they are in that moment. Questions. You and I love questions. Mm, We sure do. Ask questions. Don't say you're okay. Ask, are Are you you okay? okay? Right? Let them share with you what's going on inside. Please don't tell them what's going on inside or assume you know. These are really key. So, you know, really owning and allowing the feelings to be there, asking great questions, giving great coping skills, and just giving space for it might take some time. Your kid is not going to necessarily be resilient at age five. And honestly, if you're seeing a kid that's bouncing back that fast at age five, I, I would actually kind of be like a little suspicious. A little suspicious, yeah. We are going for the long game here. But I am telling you, the more that you ask questions, show up and allow those feelings to be there and give the space to process, the more you're going to start to see that resiliency unfold. Mm-hmm. And I and I love that you mentioned watching for things that weren't there before because they, they may be connected and likely are to some event or happening or interaction with somebody. So if you're seeing habits crop up in your children or them responding to things in ways they didn't use to pay attention to that. So there's also just this element of awareness. I think it's easy to go, oh, that's normal kid stuff. Yes. Oh, they're just being a kid. Or, you know, that's just what I mean, I've I hear it a lot that to just assume things are normal. I mean, especially I think, unfortunately, boys get this rap. Yes. Oh, yep. Of course, that's just a boys thing. You know, boys do that. And it's a bummer that we don't say, let's look. Let's look and see. And I am going to do this very rarely today because it's definitely way more your wheelhouse. But I want to piggyback for a moment on also giving you parents just a tip that if you're working on this for yourself, that, of course, is paramount with your own kids, with your own family. But also, I think we need to be careful about not saying this to someone else who's going through something because I can't tell you the one place while I'll be on my soapbox today is I can't tell you how many times when I was going through my divorce and worrying about the impact on my children and people were telling me, oh, they're resilient. They're adaptable. It'll be fine. It's not fine. Their world imploded. They had two parents under the same roof. Now they don't. They now have to pack a backpack to see their other parent. It's not fine. And I just remember feeling that that was such a platitude and it really dismissed what was actually happening. So I would encourage being careful on that other end, too, because I think it's easy if we have this mentality that's come, unfortunately, societally to also hand it out. And I would just caution against that strongly. Yeah. I mean, I love that you said this because we have this amazing responsibility to our children, but we also have a beautiful responsibility to each other. And I love that. And I think that, again, we come back to questions. Mm-hmm. Ask someone, how can I support you? Right? Not what do you need? Not a fan. How can I support you? Um, what could I do next Friday that would be helpful? You know, concrete stuff. Yes. Because I, I, I want to I share something um, that that reminded me of. 
So um, a friend of mine, I was with a friend of mine when I got the phone call that my mom, they'd found a tumor in my mom. We had no idea what it was at this point. We had no idea. We knew nothing. She okay. has a massive tumor. That's all we know. Don't know if it's cancerous. Don't know where it's coming from, blah, blah, blah. And I'm with my friend and I get this phone call and I hang up and I'm obviously super shaken, right? And my friend says, don't worry, she's going to be fine. And you know what? She wasn't. She died. And it's such an example of like, we just don't know these things and we're so desperate we're so desperate to fix it, to make it better, to put a bow on it because we're uncomfortable. Because let's be honest, most of us were not raised to sit in yuck. We were not told it's okay to feel our feelings. And so we're desperate that no one else should because it means we have to face that demon, right? But the bottom line is with grief, with all these different things, loss, divorce, anything that anybody's going through, and this applies 100% to our kids, even if it's something seemingly small, like they fell off the big toy, you know, or they got a bad grade on their test, or whatever it is, we have to let them feel it. Because when we try and shut that down with platitudes, or whatever, it's really for us. And as parents, we need to really look at that. If I'm trying to shut down those feelings, it's because I actually don't like how you're feeling. Right. And that's not let's be clear. Dina and I are not all about massive public tantrums. Right. Or letting no. your kids feel your feelings anytime. But I think we 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 see I see this more often than I would like. You're OK. I mean, it just gets my back up. Right. Don't worry. They'll be fine. Kids are resilient. No, let's stop saying that to each other. Let's say, wow, you know what? I get that as a mom. That's hard. I'm so sorry you're dealing with that, right? Or in the, your case with a divorce, you know what? I understand why you're worried. I'd be worried too. How can I support you? I mean, can you just, you can hear it. You can hear the difference between, don't worry, they'll be fine. Kids are resilient. And you know what? That makes sense to me. You know, mm -hmm. I love that phrase. We mm -hmm. can say that with each other. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me, Dina. Of course you were worried about that. I would be very worried about that. And you're a great mom for being worried about that. You know what I mean? Like, this yes. is not rocket science. But also, <laughs> let's not dismiss people's worries about big stuff. Right. Or make, it, make adults and parents feel like that's ah, not a big deal. Because these are big deals. Right. It's and and why important. are we so scared of acknowledging big deals? I mm -hmm. see this. I used to see this with my grown-up clients. You know, something massive is going on. And they really want to jump to, yeah, but, you know, there's, like, people starving in the world. It's like, Yeah. There, there are. And that is big stuff, too. Guess what? Your stuff within the context of this first world country is a really big stuff. Can we just be with that? Can we just take a second? But people mm -hmm. are scared because then I have to feel that. And mm -hmm. so then we pass that stuff on to our kids. And it's uncomfortable. And I think we have a little bit of a just automatic tendency to try to avoid discomfort. And it seems to me, without saying it, I'm not saying people are walking around saying this disclaimer, but without saying it, this feels to me like going around and saying to children or other adults, get over it. Yep. And I have two big issues with that. Number one, it's telling the person to do it themselves when often, especially children need support to do it. They need somebody to come alongside. And even the adults, we talk about it takes a village. You need your people. So I don't like that. And I don't like this idea of over, just move on because we talked about just skips all these steps instead of I want to help you get through it. Not you get over it. How can I help you get through it? 
The only way out is through. I say that to my kids all the time because it's easy to want to like go under, over, around this hard thing. I don't want to deal with it. But the only way out is through. I've even said that to people in labor Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the baby's going to have to go through. You're going to have to go through this discomfort. You get something great at the end. But the only way out is through. You can't just skip it. And we don't get to skip pain, hardship, challenges in our life. So this actually, in my mind, is part of that under that umbrella of helping our kids be ready for life because life is going to throw things at you that you're not going to be able to just get over. Right. And if you want your kids to have healthy coping mechanisms, so when life gets hard, they aren't like nothing hurts my heart more than when I see a fellow mom who's clearly struggling with something go, it's okay, I'll be fine. I just got to get over it. I I just want to like wrap her up and be like, let me just hold you. Can I just like hold you for a little while and let you feel like, can you just feel, just let them out, let it out? Because we are taught that. And you're right. We have to be willing to let our kids go through. And that, I think, is the big myth we're busting today, that resilience somehow skips the through. And actually, our job as parents is to teach them the through. I want to teach you mm-hmm. what going through it looks like so that when you're an adult, you know how to get yourself through. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. I mean, you've just unpacked it because I think what what we often talk about in our society as resilience is really kind of a false resilience. Yeah. And this is the true resilience, which is learning to feel it, learning to cope and to go through it and come out the other side in a healthy way, not just get over it and quickly, by the way. Yeah, with a smile on your face. Right. I guess I was more spicy about this topic than I thought. I am glad because it would have been awkward for me to be this spicy alone. <laughs> I really, I appreciate though, I really, really appreciate the opportunity to get to talk about this because it is something that is so near and dear to my heart. And then I, I really think we on this platform have an opportunity to just reframe people's perspective mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and it's something that I have been in touch with the school about. Like, hey, we I love that it's res- resiliency. What a great word. Can we um, have some questions? I have about a couple that. questions. You know, often ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> but they're great. And it's one of the things I love about our school. Like, they care so much. They don't do anything by halves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are so open and receptive to those kinds of conversations. And this is an important thing to be grappling with because it is. It's really pervasive. It's everywhere. So we got to talk it through. Yep, absolutely. And I do have a quote. Oh, good. And thank you, listeners, for bearing with my spiciness today. I hope it was, I hope it was helpful. I hope it can reframe just a little bit the way that you view this idea of resiliency and maybe some things you can be doing to, to promote true resiliency, mm-hmm. which may take a little longer, but is really, really worth it in the end. As with so many things, the, the fast way is often not the best right. long term. Okay, great one. This is by Conrad Joseph. Facing it, always facing it, that's the way to get through. Uh, You hear the 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 music, right? Do you hear it? The clouds have parted. Oh my goodness, (laughs) it's so true. Well, thanks for being with us today. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Future Focused Parenting. And if you did not join the Attribute of the Month, that is done. I'm so sorry. Um, But if you didn't end up on our subscriber list, we have a very cool new video called Three Essential Strategies for Raising Adults. It's free. All you have to do is go to our website. You'll see it right there. Get your free video and you can sign up and get that video right into your inbox. Some awesome quick tools, I mean, literally delivered in under 10 minutes that can just get you on your way to establishing this foundation of 
playing the long game and parenting with the end in mind. Thank you, Kira. You had a lot of great insights today. I hope it was helpful to you as our listeners too, to, to really parse out the difference between what looks like resilience and what actually is, and how do I help equip my kids to display true resilience as they grow. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Oh, and of course, recorded in Kira's laundry room. Thanks for listening.